Hi SIBKL, hi church. It's amazing that we can all gather together in our own homes uh, to worship God and to partake in communion together. We want to move into a time of remembering what Jesus did on that cross. So I'm going to give you a little bit of time, if you haven't already, to get your drink, uh, a piece of bread or a piece of biscuit in front of you because we want to do communion together. And I'm going to get mine. There we go. You know, communion is such an amazing time. Remembering what Jesus did on that cross. Remembering that God honors His covenantal promise to us, that He covenanted Himself to us to say that we are His and He is ours now and forevermore. And what assures us and what brings us uh, back into that love of God is that communion. So today, I want to read from Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it and eat it. This is my body. I want to give a little bit of time to everybody. Whatever stress you're going through, every anxiety, every worry, every problems, every issues, every health issues, work issues, everything that you're going through that that just gives you stress, that gives you no sleep. Today, I want you to bring it to that cross because Jesus broke His body to heal every single one of us. So I'm gonna give us a bit of time to remember Jesus. Let's bring it all to that cross. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I just wanna, we just wanna surrender it all to you. We just want to surrender all our stress, surrender all our worries, our anxieties. We want to surrender all our suffering, our pain. We want to surrender all our sleepless nights. We want to surrender everything that is causing us distress, Father God. And we want to put it into the hands of the Father because we know that you care for us. We trust you, Father, that you have a good plan and a good future for each and every one of us. And you promised us by your body that was broken for us. So we thank you, Jesus, for that cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take up the bread. I want to continue with verse 27. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us take a few more moments once again, just to remember how we have fallen short of the glory of God on all the wrong things that we've did in this week, the month, the year. And we wanna take it to that cross and say, God, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Let's take a few seconds. Thank you, Jesus. You are good God. You are a good God that you will readily forgive when we come to you on bended knees saying, forgive us, Father, forgive us, Father. We repent, Father. So Father God, by that cross, wash away our sins. Wash us white as snow that we can stand in your presence to commune with you, worship you, and to be with you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We take up the cup. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for this time. Thank you, Father God, for that cross, that you paid it all so that we can be free, free in Jesus Christ. So I thank you, Father God, that you excite our hearts today, that you excite our minds today, that you excite our very being today, Father God, to receive the Word of God. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into our hearts. We invite you into our homes. Come and saturate me now. Come and saturate us now, Father God, that Lord Jesus, we want to receive a fresh anointing and a fresh word from you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I, Father, I pray that you use me as a mouthpiece for you. And I pray that every single one that is listening will be blessed by the word of God that is everlasting to everlasting, that is truth to truth. So we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi everyone. You know, it's such a great privilege to be able to bring the Word of God uh, into your homes this morning, into your heart. And I pray that God will uh, give me the right words to say, uh, the right words to really speak to our hearts. And I'm really excited this morning because we're, we're still in the book of Zechariah and we have landed today on the, uh, the chapter 6. And Zechariah chapter 6 is the end of the eight visions and the combination of the crowning of Joshua. And it's, it's really such an exciting, exciting word, especially for me. And I hope, I hope by the end of this, you'll be excited with the word of Zechariah as well. Um, allow me a, a little bit of time to read from uh, um, the book of, of Zechariah chapter 6. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to read Zechariah chapter 6, 9 to 15 this morning. The text is on the screen. If you would read it together with me, every single one at home, um, let's not just watch. Let's also be active uh, in reading the word of God into our spirits. Are we ready? Are we ready, everybody? Amazing. Let's go. Verse 9, 3, 2, 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Take silver and gold from the exiles Heldai, Tobiah, and Jediah, who have arrived from Babylon, go the same day to the house of Josiah, son of Zephaniah. I want to read it again. Go the same day to the house of Josiah, son of Zephaniah. Verse 11. Take the silver and gold and make a crown and set it on the head of the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak. Tell him, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here is the man whose name is the brunch and he will brunch out from his place and build the temple of the Lord. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord and he will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne and he will be a priest on his throne and there will be harmony or unity between the two. The crown will be given to Heldai Tobiah, Jediah, and Hen, son of Zephaniah, as a memorial in the temple of the Lord. Those who are far away will come and help to build the temple of the Lord, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. This will happen if you diligently obey the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. What an amazing piece of scripture. And um, it's so rich and I'm, I, I, I hope I can bring it uh, to you in slices. All right. So stay with me, bear with me. You know, uh, chapter six, verse nine onwards, the crowning of Joshua uh, kind of closes off the eight visions. And in the eight visions, uh, let me just give you a brief summary of the eight visions. Number one, uh, God called 
the people to return to him. God says, I will restore you when you return to me. And then God says, I want you to return. I will restore you to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And that's, that's the whole summary of the vision and God, and of, of all the eight visions. And God is saying, I, I will send you a word of encouragement, people of Israel. I will encourage you. I will tell you that you are free from captivity. You are no longer slaves. Come into, back into Jerusalem and build the temple. I'm going to encourage you because I will be a wall of fire around you. Jerusalem will be so large that no eye can even fathom the people coming in. There will be gold. There will be silver that comes into the house. I will judge the wicked. I will judge your enemies. Will you not return to me? And God is giving you a word of encouragement this morning. And God is also saying, I will empower. I, I, would, I will not just encourage you, but I will empower you to build. And, and the chapters, uh, Zechariah chapter 3 and Zechariah chapter 4 empowers us. Zechariah chapter 3 says, God, I will, God says, I will cleanse you from the inside out to empower you to be a priest in the temple. Zechariah 4 says, God, I will empower you to govern the temple. I will empower you, empower you to put the oil, anointing oil on your head so that you will know what to do. I will give you wisdom to know what to do uh, in your, in, from your left and, and to the right. And God says, I will not just empower you, but I will entrust you. I will entrust you with what? The building of the temple, the building of the house of God. I want you to imagine, this is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's the creator of all the earth. He, he's the beginning and the end. And God is saying, I want you, human beings, to build my house. I will entrust the blueprints of my house into your hands. And by the way, the house of God rings and echoes through eternity. And God entrusts it into our hands. And that is just a brief summary of the eight visions. And it ends with the Spirit of God is at rest in Jerusalem. Or God is happy, God is rested, God is finally settled, and He rests in His house in Jerusalem. That's a summary of each vision. And then it immediately goes to verse, chapter, verse 9, chapter 6, verse 9. And it says, The word of the Lord came to me, me being Zechariah. Take the silver and gold from the exiles who have arrived from Babylon. Go the same day. So I just, I just, that's important. Go the same day. Why? It's because I want you to imagine you're Zechariah. You woke up in the middle of the night. God woke you up and God says, lift up your eyes and see the vision of the Lord. And God shows you eight visions. I have no idea how long that took, right? Whether it's one minute for eight visions or whether it's six hours for eight visions. But I can only imagine it took quite some time because I believe this is early in the morning where God says, go the same day. There is an urgency about it. And God says, go the same day. Wake up now from your vision and go on the same day. What's so important about the same day? I entitled my message this morning, when God declares it, we're going to claim it. I'm going to say it again. When God declares it, we are going to claim it. You see, God declared amazing things for the people of Israel in the book of Zechariah. The visions are all declarations of God. God's saying, I will do this. I promise you this. I will promise you that. And then God says, Zechariah, now I want you to claim the promises. I want you to claim the promises. So the big sermon question I want to ask this morning is, when God speaks blessing, when God speaks promises, when God declares his word over your life this morning, how are we going to claim it for our own? 
How are we, are we going to say, yes, God, I'm excited, God. It is my word. It is, sorry, it's your word for me, God. I'm going to claim that word for me. And it is found in this verse. Go the same day to the house of Josiah, son of Zephaniah. Take the silver and gold and make a crown and set it on the head of the high priest, Joshua. Go the same day. Can I just say that there is an urgency to it? Whenever God speaks his word, whenever God declares his word, whenever God says, I'm going to give you a promise of God, there is an urgency to claim it, to claim it in the spiritual and to claim it in the physical. Because in, in this verses, uh, Zechariah not just, didn't just claim it in the physical, he also claims it in the spiritual. How does he do it? God says, go right now, right now, claim it right now. Go to the house and take all the silver and take all the gold and I want you to make a crown. He says, I want you to take everything you've seen in the spiritual and I want you to make a crown, something that manifests itself in the physical realm. Now, uh, this silver and gold crown, I've been scouring the internet for a very good picture and I can't seem to find one because in the Hebrew, in, in the English, it says, take the silver and gold and make a crown. Now that's not wrong. But in the Hebrew, uh, there's a plural, plurality to the crown. It's almost like saying, take the silver and gold and make many crowns. It's a plural, which means I can almost imagine there's a silver crown and then there's a gold crown and, and then and Zechariah mashed it together and then he makes another silver crown that is smaller and a gold crown that is smaller and he mashes it together and there are many layers to this crown. There are many layers, in fact, until he makes a singular crown. So which is why in the English you hear, make a crown. But I believe the Hebrew is a lot richer, a lot more exciting because there are many layers to this crown. There's silver, there's gold, there's silver, there's gold. And I, be I, I believe it is absolutely a beautiful crown that nobody has been able to replicate that uh, making ever since. But I want to tell you the significance of the crown. Remember I said the summary of all the visions is that God will uh, ret return to you. God will restore you so that we can rebuild. God will encourage you. God will empower you. And then God will entrust you with the keys of the kingdom of God. What does silver mean in the crown? You know, in a sil when you use silver in the temple of God, when you use silver, it always carried a meaning of redemption. And God has said to Zechariah, will you build a crown of silver? Will you remind the people that I've come to redeem you, to, to call you out and to buy you from slavery. And I'm going to redeem your soul. I'm going to redeem your life. I'm going to redeem your future. And this morning, I want you to imagine God is saying to you, will you have some urgency to claim it? Claim the silver crown to have some urgency that you are redeemed in your soul. You are redeemed in your body. Best of all, you are redeemed in your future. If you think your future is zero, if you think your future is nothing, if you think that the enemy has come to steal your future, if right now in 2020 you have made a mistake, a terrible mistake, whether it's in your family or in your work, and you feel like this mistake will, will scar me for the rest of my life and my future is gone because of one mistake, I want to encourage you this morning that God is saying that he will come to redeem your future. As long as we put our trust in him, God will put a silver crown on your head to redeem your future. But it's not just a silver crown. There is also a gold crown. 
And what does gold mean in the temple of, of Jerusalem? Gold signifies purity. Gold signifies divinity, the divine, the purest of the pure. And God is saying, when you mash redemption and the purest of the pure, the divine together, God is saying, I'm going to do a new thing in your life. You see in chapter six, why, why this chapter is such a pivotal chapter in the whole Bible? Because this chapter, God is saying to the people of Israel, I'm going to do a new thing in your life. I'm going to do something incredible for your future. Do you not see it? Do you not see it? And God says in Zechariah 3, he told, he told Joshua, will you not see? Will you not walk? Will you not keep? Will you not see what I'm doing for you? And I want to encourage every single person. When God redeems you, He redeems you in the spiritual atmosphere. He also redeems you in the physical atmosphere. And God says, claim it. Claim this promise for yourself. That this is a promise that is sealed by Jesus Christ. I want you to claim it. How do we claim it? I want to I want to just read from this verse. It says, It is he who built the temple of the Lord and he will be clothed with majesty. There will be harmony between the two. Verse 14. Oh, there it is. The crown will be given to Heldan, Tobiah, Jediah, and Hen, son of Zephaniah. And this is the important part. Hear me out. As a memorial in the temple of the Lord. As a memorial in the temple of the Lord. So Zechariah, crowned Joshua, and this is a literal crowning. So I believe he went to the house and he saw Joshua. He saw the craftsman. He saw the, uh, the people who, 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 who crafts the gold and silver and says, could you make me a crown? Layer after layer, make me that crown. And he made a crown and says, Joshua, I crowned you now. Then he says, hey, men, the four men, will you now take this crown and put it in the temple of God as a memorial for all the people of Israel? How do we claim it in the physical? God says, I want you to make a memorial. Think of something that you can remember God's promise over you. What is it? Is there ever a time where, where, where God spoke to you through the Bible and a verse popped out to you and says, wow, this is the word of the Lord for me. Was there ever a time where somebody came up to you and says, I prophesy over you and I have a word of God from you? Was there ever a time where you feel like God is speaking to you? And if the answer is yes, then today I want you to remember that time and I want you to write it down, all the verses and claim the promises and then put it somewhere so that you can remember. Now, in the physical, this, this remembrance it's merely just a gesture to say, God, I will always remember your promise for me. Let me give you an example. I have here with me, uh, why I believe so strongly in this is I have here with me a dog tag that I have never shown anybody until now. This is a personal thing uh, uh, that I did for myself many, many years ago. And when I was younger, I don't wear it now, but when I was a lot younger, I used to wear this dog tag. Now on the dog tag, um, uh, of course, we know in the army, you put your blood type, you put your name right uh, on the dog tag so that if anything happens, I'll be able to identify you and give you blood. But on this dog tag, it's customized to my name, the year it was made. And instead of blood, I put two verses that God personally spoke to me. And this two verses is a constant reminder that God's promise over me is real. He did it. He spoke it. 
and I'm going to clean it. And every time I wear this, every time I see this, every time I clean my house and I see where I put it, I, I always remember, God, these are your verses for me. I have not seen everything come to pass yet. Not everything in these verses have come to pass. But I believe, Lord Jesus Christ, that these are your verses for me. And I hold it close to me ever since. Now, this in itself, it does not mean anything. But when I read the scripture that I've written on here, it means everything to me. Do you want to hear the two scriptures that I've written? We don't have time today. Maybe another sermon, maybe another time. But today, I just want to say, will you write it down? If you're not used to writing in a diary, write it down in your Google Calendar, whatever calendar they use, digital calendar, personal calendar, in your diary. Write it down somewhere. Frame it up in your house. Put it, put it as a scripture verse over your house, over your door. So that every time you walk through the door, you walk out of the door, you are reminded of God's promises over you. Claim it. Claim it. Claim it for your own. But what are we claiming? What are we claiming? I want to read here. It says, it says that there will be harmony between the two. See, God told Zechariah to crown Joshua. Now, Joshua's a high priest. He's supposed to crown Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel's the governor. Zerubbabel's the king. He's supposed to crown the king. But God says, no, I want you to crown the high priest as something symbolic of what is to come. And what is to come is the brunch. The brunch is to come being Jesus Christ. And we all know that Jesus is the king and he's also our high priest. Now, why is this, this so significant that it's representing a new thing in our life? It is because of this. See, God is saying from now onwards, there, there used to be two lines of governing bodies in, in Jerusalem, in, in Israel. One is the king that comes from the tribe of Judah, right? So all kings of Israel must come from the tribe of Judah. And he's the king and he, he governs the land. He makes the laws. He says what is right and what is wrong. How much are your taxes? How big should the army of God be? How, how the Jerusalem wall should be built? How the aqueduct should be built? assuming they have aqueducts back then, right? So that's the job of the king. And then there's another line of, of office, which is the priest, the high priest. And they come from the tribe or the lineage of Aaron. And these are the high priests uh, right in the temple. And their job is mainly to worship God, to offer their sacrifices, to, to make sure that Israel's sins are cleansed before God, to make sure that God's presence reside in the temple of Jerusalem. And here in chapter 6, God is saying, I am now going to unify the two offices into one. There will be harmony between the two, and you will see that harmony in Jesus Christ. But before Jesus come to be, I want you to mash the crown, silver and gold, and put it in the temple as a memorial that from today onwards, the officers are united. They will be combined, and this will be a promise for you. How does Jesus be the manifestation of all this promise? See, he comes from the tribe of Judah, we all know, but he's not from the lineage of Aaron. He's from a higher lineage called the order of Melchizedek. See, you can find these, uh, the, 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 the guy Melchizedek in Genesis and in Hebrew. And in, in both these books, which I don't want to go too much today about the order of Melchizedek, but it is an order where Melchizedek is a king but he's also a priest. And Abraham, back all the way back in the book of Genesis, he recognizes Melchizedek as a king and he recognizes Melchizedek also as a priest. Then we fast forward to the New Testament and then we see Paul. 
And in Hebrews chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter 7, Paul talks about Melchizedek being the king and the priest. And if you read Psalms 110, it is called the royal psalm. Why? Because it says, uh, I will make you a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus was that manifestation, was that combining unity of of, of the priest office and the royal office, the governing office. But what has that got to do with me? When Zechariah says, I want you to crown Joshua. And I want you to unify the offices. He is telling the God, is telling the whole of Israel, they will no longer be a sacred and a secular divide. It will be one. You see, back then, there was a sacred, which is the priest. Then there was a secular, which is the king. And then God says, no longer. I will unify the two. And we can find that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. God calls us a royal priesthood, which means that everything we do, whether it's work, and you see us emphasize this many times, whether it's your work, how small or how significant that work is, it's work whether it's coming to the house of God to serve Him, whether it is being at home alone with God to have your personal devotion and time with Jesus Christ. God is saying, all of that is secular and all of that is sacred. It is now one. I called you to be holy. Not just when you come to church. Holy when you leave church. Holy when you do your personal devotion. Holy when you go home your family holy when you go out into the workforce holy when you represent jesus as a christian god calls us to be holy and i want to encourage us all today that whatever we do god calls the work of our hands the words of our mouth as holy sacred unto him and god says If you believe this, claim it for yourself. That everything I want to do, God, is for you. My whole life, there is no longer going to be, I work, I work, I do church, I do church. It's going to be both together. My whole life is going to be an offering of praise and sacrifice unto you. Will you be pleased with the incense of my life that goes up into heaven, God? Are you pleased? Are you pleased? Are you pleased? Am I holy? Am I holy? Am I holy? Amen. So when God gives us a promise, when God declares and speaks His truth into our lives, I want us to have three postures. Number one, I want us to claim it. I want us to urgently claim it. We're not going to be late or the easy. We're not going to say, all right, I heard it. Maybe I'll pray into it tomorrow. Maybe I'll pray into it next week. No. We're going to claim it now. There's an urgency because when God speaks it, God is saying in the spiritual, there's going to be a battle. I'm going to fight in the spiritual for you. And I need you in the physical to claim my promises, to claim my word. And so today, there's going to be an urgency to claim it. And I want you to try to recollect all the promises that God has spoken over your life. But if not, if you, if you can't think of any today, God's promise for you is that He's going to encourage you, He's going to empower you, and He's going to entrust you to build His kingdom. 
But once we've claimed it, I want us all to live it. Everybody say, live it. Say, claim it. Claim it. Say, live it. Live it. So once we've claimed it, we've got to live our lives worthy of that cause. We can't just go about our normal days doing everything normal and everything the same. When we claim it for our own, when we claim God's holy sacred word as our own, we're going to have to live it, live it out. And that's where the sacred and the secular divide is broken and there's a mashing and a harmony between the two, the unity be- between the two. And I want everybody's mindset now to be, wherever I go, whatever I do, and everything that I say is holy unto God, because now I am a royal priesthood. I govern his house. So we're going to claim it. We're going to live it. And in my last point, we're going to walk it. We're going to walk it. Amen, church. In verse 15, it says, those who are far away will come and help to build the temple of the Lord. And you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. This will happen if you diligently obey the word of God. If you diligently obey the Lord your God. Now, I want to highlight a few things because this is walking it, right? And walking it is it's a, it's a very active word. There is, it's not a passive word. Nobody can walk you for you, right? I mean, if you're stationary, I can't force you to walk. I mean, I can uh, move you if I'm stronger than you. But at the end of the day, we're called to walk, which means it is an active word that we need to take step by step by step by step. To do what? To walk in the ways of the Lord. It says here, to diligently obey the Lord our God. And this brings us back to Zechariah chapter 3, when God says, will you obey him? And obedience here means to walk in godly character and also to walk away from anything that would compromise the godly character. I'll say it again. Walking means, number one, to walk in his godly character, to love integrity, to love justice, to love what is right and to hate what is wrong. But walking also means to walk away from things that will compromise our godly character. It's an active word. You see, just before God says, I want you to diligently obey, how does he identify himself? In the NIV, he identifies himself as the Lord Almighty. What is the Lord Almighty? He's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of the heavenly armies, which means that he beckons the armies of God, the armies of heaven to fight for us. And I just want you to just leave today remembering that when God promises his word to you, he keeps his covenant. And he says, how do I keep my covenant? I will send my heavenly armies to fight for you. And if you're discouraged today, and if you're going through a very difficult time today, can I just uplift your spirit by saying that today, God remembers his covenant promise for you and he sends his heavenly armies to fight for you. You see, in all these visions, these visions are are battles in the spiritual that is not yet manifested in the physical. But before it can manifest itself in our eyes, in the physical, it has to be won in the spiritual realm. And God says, me and my army, I'm going to go forth. I'm going to unleash the chariots 
I'm going to unleash the horsemen and they are going to win justice for me. They're going to win righteousness for me. They're going to win integrity for me. They are going to win the battle for me. And there's a battle going on today in the heavenlies over your life, over the life of your children, over the future of your work, the future of your family. There's a battle in the heavenlies. And today, Jesus, we call upon the Lord of hosts. We call upon the Lord Almighty to come and fight on our behalf. Fight for us, God. Let the banner of love fly over our homes, over our lives, O Lord. But God also says, when God fights for you, we need to do our part. What is our weapon of warfare? Obedience. Obedience. God is saying, if I fight for you, if I win the battle for you, but when I look at you on earth and you're going wayward, you're not doing the things of God, you're walking away from God, you're, you're, you're dabbling in idolatry, you're doing things that I told you you shouldn't be doing. Even if the battle in the spiritual is won, you've lost the battle in the physical. God is saying, we need to win the spiritual, we need to win the physical. If God wins the spiritual battles for you, we need to do our part and our weapon is obedience. And God is encouraging everybody to walk in obedience with him. Walk in obedience. All the promises of God will come to pass when we take one step of obedience. I love, I love how God says, walk in obedience, especially in Zechariah 3. Walk. He never said, run. He didn't say, pace. He, he didn't say, jog in obedience. God says, walk in obedience. Because walking is one step at a time. God, I'm going to trust you today. I take one step forward. God, I'm going to trust you with my health. I'm going to take one step forward. God, I, I have not been spending enough time with you. Today, I'm going to pray. I'm going to take another step forward. God, I want to obey you by memorizing one verse in 2020. I'm going to take one step forward. God, I want to claim your promises and I'm going to write it down in my diary. I'm going to take one more step forward. What is your walk with God? How does it look like for you? God doesn't need you to be a sprinter. This is not a sprint to the finish line. This is a walk to the finish line. And God promises he will walk next to you. How do I know? Zechariah 1, if you return to me, I will return to you. You see, we don't have to do this life alone, friends, family, loved ones. We're not alone in this fight. We're not alone in this life. We're not alone in this journey. When we walk with God, God walks with us. And how do I know? How do I know that I, that God, a person that I cannot see in the physical, that is actually walking next to me, that is actually helping me obey, he's helping me understand that there's no division between the sacred and the secular. He's helping me claim his promise. How do I know? Because when God says, Zechariah, take that silver and gold crown and put it on the head of Joshua to serve as a memorial, as a remembrance that one day the brunch, Jesus Christ, is going to come He's going to walk into the temple of Jerusalem 
I believe he's going to see that crown. And he says, in order for each and every one of us to wear the crown of silver and to wear the crown of gold, he is going to have to wear the crown of thorns. What is our remembrance? The crown of thorns. That communion that we just partook. That God says, every time you fall, remember, I took the punishment for you with that crown of thorns. And every time you want to claim his promises, how do you know that it's a sealed deal in the spiritual and in the physical? God says, look at that crown of thorns. I paid the price so that you can take that check that God gave you, that check that has your promise on it. You take that check, you take it to the bank and they will give you cash for it. How come they can give you cash? Because I paid it with the crown of thorns. The two crowns that should ever reside in our hearts today, the crown of thorns and the crown of silver and gold. So God wants to crown each and every one of you today to be a chosen generation, to be a royal priest, to be a holy nation, to be a people belonging to God and is saying, crown yourself with a crown of gold and silver. But when you do, always remember that is bought with the crown of thorns. And that is Jesus. And that is his love for you. And that is his promise for you. So if you're watching this today and you're asking yourself, I never did have any promise. There was never any verse that stood out for me. Nobody ever prayed for me over any word of God. Nobody ever gave me a, a promise of God. Today, let this be a promise for you. One, that you can claim the promises of God. Every promise as you read the Bible, every single promise, claim it with the crown of thorns. That you can claim the promise that he's going to bless your work, to bless your family, to bless your health, everything he will bless. If only we would be royal priests. All the silver and gold he would give, only we will be the royal priest. Serve him in our work, serve him in our family. Because that silver and gold that he will give you, he will make a crown on your head. And lastly, God says, will you walk in obedience? Because my promise is that I will walk with you in this life. You are not alone in this life. Amen, church. Amen. Right now, I just want to, I just want to call upon, I call out a few people. And if that is you, I'd like you to log on into our online altar call because we want to have an opportunity to pray for you. If you're going through a very difficult time to walk with God, you're struggling in your walk. You're saying, God, it's difficult. Can you come into our altar? And we want to pray for you. We want to pray with you. If you're struggling to honor God in your workplace and also in your devotion to God, you're struggling, it's difficult, God. Will you come into our altars? 
You don't even have to tell us what it is. You just tell, I'm struggling to be a royal priest and we will pray for you. We will bless you. We, will, we want to anoint you to walk with God. I thank you, Jesus, for every single one of us who are, we're going to honor you, God, because you've honored us first. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to close us now with a word of prayer. And we're going to end with this amazing song that I believe in God the Father, I believe in Christ the Son, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I just want to thank you for this word. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that every promise is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are a good God, that you will walk beside us every single day of our lives, that we are not alone, that we are not alone, that you are with us, that you are with us, even in the darkest of our times and even in the valley of the shadow of death and even in the sickest times of our lives, Father God, we are not alone because you are with us. And in that, Father God, my heart takes great comfort. My heart takes great joy. So I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for the word of God. Father God, I pray that you separate us now with your blessing, Father God. May you turn your face towards us. May you shine, may you shine upon us, Father God. May you watch our going in and our going out. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are good and all glory goes to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, church. Hallelujah.